0: Jamal Soul, Moving Still, thank you for joining me today. I've uh, been wanting to have a chat with you for some time now. I was introduced to your music through the Dar Disco Lads, and uh, we connected earlier this year by booking you for a special guest mix on Middle Beast Frequencies, which is coming up soon. After reading about you and learning more about you, I got excited about inviting you onto the podcast.
1: Thanks, James. Um, It's it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure to be on the show and actually I've been wanting to be on your show um, after hearing um, a couple of your shows so it's actually quite nice to be invited and also I am excited for that guest mix as well.
0: Good, good to hear. You have described that there have been many moments that you would consider turning points. There's uh, never really just one crossroads in our lives. One significant turning point is creating moving stills, creative and cultural identity with using and applying meditation and creating music. Tell me more about this time in your life and how this continues to support and shape you now.
1: Yeah, um, as I said, you know, there's so many moments that kind of, you know, pull me into music and I think um, probably around six years ago, I had only started my PhD and, you know, I was getting into production. I wasn't really that good. I, I kind of was just, you know, starting off and um, I'd only kind of got the grips of how Ableton works, but I wasn't very good at creating lots of different songs and PhD life was super, super stressful.
0: When I think back
1: back at it, it's like it's like a moment of reflection of, you know, how much has changed since then. And I used to use music pretty much as an outlet, um, pretty much a de-stressor because The hours in the lab were actually, they were so long. And whatever breaks I used to have, I used to just sit on the laptop and make a small beat, even if it was a one minute or two minute song. Um, And it was more so just to get it out um, and just get that stress out. And I use it for many reasons. Um, It kind of felt good to just, you know, write a song per day. And also I wasn't tied to genre. I still hadn't figured out what my signature was. Um, it was It was kind of nice to to be able to delve into loads of different genres and, you know, make stuff um, in genres that I loved. So whether it was disco or Arabic inspired disco or hip hop or bass, it, it was just kind of amalgamation of everything I liked. Um, and I guess at the time I was kind of struggling um, mentally um, during the PhD as well. So my boss um, at the time, who was my supervisor, kind of her partner was actually, um, he was a therapist and he kind of introduced me to meditation and i was the type of person that literally would look at meditation and think this is for hippies <laughs> and that was the kind of idea that i had that was the perception i had of meditation and he sat down in a room with me and i remember um, him him sitting with me and just guiding me through it and i was actually kind of pretty impressed of the the understanding of what meditation was i used to think that you know it was all about relaxation and actually it was completely the opposite of that it's it's actually about focusing and and teaching yourself how to concentrate on a specific task and using kind of your um different breathing techniques to to kind of you know focus and I think I actually started doing that on public transport so I sit on the train um or sorry the the Lewis which is a, a, a tram over here in Ireland, and I would sit there and everybody think I was asleep, but I was actually meditating in that journey. And I got very good at it. And it actually really helped me space out time between doing lab work, but also at the same time, um, make music because I had better concentration. And I still use that today. Um, It's pretty much my ritual from day to day. Um, And it definitely has helped me kind of musically and career-wise because I can separate and create lots of space for myself um, and yeah it's been an incredible journey. I think that moment in time is a really big indication of how important it is to look after your mental health and how it can be applied to your life day-to-day whether it's music or your day-to-day job or your family. Um, it's something that I, I would never change um, and I'm very, very glad and thankful to my boss, really, and her partner for actually introducing me to it.
0: So, so moving still came from meditation.
1: In, I'd say not exactly. So I started a moving still prior to learning about meditation. Okay. And I was trying to come up with a name that didn't really, it didn't signify what kind of genre of music I was making, and. The reason why I picked it was actually kind of a fascination I had with jellyfish as a kind of a, a reminder of Jeddah in Saudi. Right. Because I used to see them when I was, we used to spend a lot of time at the beach when um, I lived over in Saudi in Jeddah. And obviously you would always encounter some jellyfish. And I always had this fascination of like how beautiful but deadly those animals are in, as a species. So I used to find that the beauty of it is that they they move, but they're actually they look very still and kind of at the time, you know, it had turned out that that was actually kind of an oxymoron. And I kind of like the name of it because the music that I was writing at that specific time was kind of um, ambient, um, kind of housey, um, and then also some some signatures of, of Arabic um, inspiration in there as well and it just kind of fits and as time goes by i feel like the name even fits even more again um and i'm kind of thankful because you know it's funny because you can pick a name and it could end up being absolutely terrible <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's a yeah it's a great name and and it like i think it i think it speaks um so many different kind of th- tones um now A slow and steady approach to your creative process and music projects has really shown you a new way of being um, since COVID and how you want to continue. Um, Meditation, cold showers and exercise seem to be key pillars to creating that baseline for yourself. I'd love to learn more about this, how you're balancing your other career, family and whatever else you're doing to maintain and sustain this approach in your work and lifestyle?
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I think, first, firstly, meditation is, is, is quite a vital part of my day. Um, I've basically been meditating for the last, I'd say, five years now. Um, okay. And I think because I know to put time aside to do meditation, then it also allows me to put time aside to do music. And I can quickly switch between tasks I want to do. So instead of procrastinating on on trying to think of a task and never getting around to doing it, um, I've got very good at just going, right, I need to get this done. It's going to get done now. And I apply that in my work. And and it kind of helps the balance of knowing if I'm going to be too tired to do something and being aware of your kind of uh, emotions to be able to go well, today is not the day. I'm not going to. I'm not going to force myself, and um it kind of helps that whole process because then what happens is then because I use meditation, then I think it's really important to to exercise. And actually, I had a really terrible injury um a few years back, um that kind of really woke me up a bit in terms of exercise. Um, I had damaged my back um doing some bouldering, and it actually frightened me because I wasn't able to walk for for the gist of two weeks. Um, and I think from there kind of kind of woke me up that I don't have to like go to the gym and lift like a huge amount of weights and be like, yeah. Um, it was more so that it was just to kind of look after myself in terms of my core. And and I think, you know, breathing exercises, they all fit into the same um category. And I actually only COVID actually was like being in the um pandemic was kind of my introduction to Cold showers. Because I had heard um, really fascinating things in terms of the research and the data that's out there in terms of cold showers and your nervous system and how it affects your your nervous system, how it then has a relationship with your immune system. And as an immunologist, I always thought that whole area was super fascinating because, you know, I had read all the research in terms of meditation by itself. But it turns out that meditation and cold showers had like a significant effect on your on your mental well-being and also on your immune system so i was just like i'll give it a shot and i have to say the first 10 seconds of being in a cold i was just like i'll never do this again <laughs> it was i'm not gonna lie the water over here is it must is be so cold water. in dublin man <laughs> yeah man it's um it's freezing it's freezing and it, it would frighten you, you know, because you have this fight or flight um, response. It, it's basically like an injection of adrenaline. Yeah. And your body just goes, I need to get out of here because I feel like I'm going to die. So I actually feel like the, the only way to describe it, if you, if you give yourself this tiny bit of adrenaline every day, it's nearly like the effects that you get when you're anxious. Um, so you're getting this body, your body response to fight or flight actually adapts over time. So after two weeks, my response to the cold shower was kind of nearly like, it didn't even bother me. I know it's cold, but it wasn't actually affecting me. Yep. Um, yep. And it actually over time, it meant that certain triggers that would trigger you anxiety-wise actually wasn't as potent. You know, you, you, kind of, you kind of get hit by it and you have a better reaction time. It was like you could see it in slow motion. So overall, I think that balance was kind of helping me to know whether I was stressing myself out with music or am I keeping it as a, as still enjoying the love of it. So if I feel too stressed about it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And, um, and it was kind of a nice relationship. And I think at the moment um, it's been nice being on that journey to learn about myself mentally, but also learning of what tasks I can and can't do. And um, I've always had kind of a, an issue with music where I, I come across writer's block and it stretches for three months at a time. And yeah, I guess I had to learn how to kind of cope with that. Um, And also learn that it's not just important that if, you know, if you can't write music, just don't write music and not force it. Um, And it actually made me better at creating new stuff. Um, And there was always that battle being like, how do I beat myself in my own music? And that was something that I had to kind of maybe um, learn not to, prioritize because even though you want to be your own music and I think there's always this society makes you feel that you have to write um, music that's going to be the best banger of all time and sometimes you need to kind of not do that because you end up trying to beat yourself and being competitive with yourself and sometimes that's men- mentally draining Yep. where if you yep. just write music and you enjoy it that means you don't have this force. Feeling to have to, you know, achieve what's you know expected of you in society, and I think it's that balance is 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 super important. I think.
0: Yeah, and I I find that as a as a a philosophy or or a a way of, um, you know, shedding shedding in all areas, not just in a creative process, but being able to kind of break down these kind of paradigms that we instill in ourselves over time. From expectations, from family, society, and there's, and that, I think meditation really helps you, Albert, to put all this stuff under a microscope and then learn how to shed that and break them down, and being able yeah. to, yeah, pull through. I, um, yeah. So, so those three, those three pillars are what you use to maintain and sustain so you, you you're pretty much able and and that helps you stay in this sort of mm, slow pace i can totally relate Basically, to that mm.
1: kind of like um staying very neutral you know yes. not being super reactive to anything like even sometimes it's, it's it's a difficult thing to do and um and sometimes i i like it doesn't always work you know it's it's it depends on your day. You're not going to always have a good day and you can't always be happy either. Of course, of course. Um, And I think it's so important to remember that, that, you know, the days are going to be different, but it just means that not everything is going to last forever. Um, and I think one thing that I've learned is that even when something super exciting happens, I try not to overly react towards it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think what happens is, just say, for example, if, if somebody was to react that something they got asked to do, I'd say this interview, for example, right? And it just happens to be that I got super excited about it and you, they pull the plug. Um, it means that my reaction towards it is going to be that I'm going to be pretty upset about it. But if you go in neutral about it, it means that you're, if I get the plug, uh, if you unplug it, it just means that you're not going to feel as down about it. And keeping that momentum means that you're kind of just, you're, you're not too high, but you're not too low. You're always going to be kind of going riding a really, really, um, yes. Um, a slow wave and it's i think it's a nice it's a nice attitude to have but it doesn't always work um you know you, you'll have good days and bad days and um, but that's the yeah. uh, that's what i try to do anyway James.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no of course and and you know we can't um control like uh, the things around us that we can't always but it is i think over t- the more and more we practice uh this approach the more and more it becomes um a way of being that that uh, you're able to adapt to to those difficult moments when those when they yeah. do come because they're, they they're going to happen like they're going to happen gonna so happen, yeah. exactly now um, you work with a bunch of uh, taste making labels you've you've um, and yet you still hold your artistic freedom is working with so many labels part of your approach to that, uh, like, artistic freedom identity? Like, is that, like, at the same time? And how do you maintain that? Like, how were you able to kind of keep those relationships with all the labels and, and, and your artistic freedom?
1: I think it never really first started off like that. I am. Um, I didn't have, a, I guess, an agenda to think of, you know, what, how many labels did I want to be on? It actually just kind of happened by itself, really. It was quite organic. Um, Nail Shop were the first um, um, were the first to kind of approach me, and I actually know Al Morris, who is the um, the founder of Nail Shop, um, and we we know each other from from mutual friends, and he's a good pal of mine. And I had been wanting to be on the label for actually some time, and it was actually really interesting because the 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 songs I had written to that label was specifically kind of you know um, some housey bits nearly disc- disco with a small hint of arabic inspired stuff and actually around that time i had injured my back and i was on like pretty high tramadol <laughs> it was it was excruciating pain but i wrote one song during that time um while i had my back injury and he basically flipped the entire ep and we made that the a1 and from there then i int- got introduced to DarDisco disco and it just seemed like i kind of had this momentum that i could create edits and i also then had my original stuff so it felt that i actually had the freedom to kind of have fun with edits but also then be really personal with my um my original music and i think it's a really fun way to be because you know edits for me are always just going to be fun they're just a dj tool they're they're out there to kind of um to, to have to f- have fun with you know because it's it's a i find edits really um really meditative because, you know, the whole chopping process, um, layering drums. Um, so, and then, you know, writing original music is, is slightly personal because, um, I'm writing it with a concept in mind. And so really with approaching labels, um, I, I have been quite privileged that, you know, labels have been approaching me where for a long time I was approaching labels and, you know, with, with emailing and not understanding how to go about it. You know, you don't get any responses. So it actually, it actually panned out quite nice because now I kind of like the idea of not being fully tagged to a specific label and just being able to write music and it just happens to be signed to the music itself being signed to a particular label. And it just means that you, I feel like that you grow a lot more um, and so you don't have to be stuck to a genre or a style of music when you're free to be on whatever labels because you'll start to create Things that you think that will suit that particular label or or vice versa the label might think that they want to move forward with a different type of music and then they will come and get you to be on that label and I do like that process because it helps me to grow as an artist and um makes my music create the creationist different each time and with the last three EPs, which is nail shop um Orange Tree and Jai five, which are um originals um I find that every EP just sounds entirely different. There is the signature, but it doesn't sound exactly the same. And I think that for me is quite fun because it challenges me each time to how do I write something that's different from that, but also still kind of holding on to the core of what moving still is. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun process, and I kind of like that the momentum. Now, don't get me wrong. If I get approached by this, like, unreal label, um, <laughs> um, maybe things will change. But I, I do like the process because, actually, with the labels I've worked with so far, um, they've all been super great, and it's been a fantastic experience. They've, they've got me to really push myself um, because, you know, the feedback that you get from labels are things that you won't even think of yourself, whether it's, like, song structure... Or did you try doing this or did you try doing that? And it just really opens your mind, like, especially if you like, the main thing is not to take it to heart that they're like criticizing you, but more so that this is a learning curve. And if you want to be good, then just like take the feedback and, and but obviously be confident of what you do too. And I think it's if you you have that attitude, then you can learn from it, but you can also say, wait, hold up. You're actually changing this song entirely. And now it's not the song that I wrote. Yeah, um, and I think it's always a, it's a balance between what the label wants and what you want as well. And I yeah. think maybe as a as an artist when you start off, you kind of just want to go, well, I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> and I think there's whereas you get a bit better at it, and you you um and you learn from um, all the different experiences, you you start to kind of know that look, this is how the song is, and you're willing to change a few different things, but not. Structurally different because yes. then it just becomes the label song and no longer your song. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, um, yeah. Look, uh, kudos to you. That I mean, these are all quite um, you know significant labels. They're like they're they're doing some cool stuff. Uh, how how did the relationship with Dardisku come about? Because you guys are pretty much like your roots are from very similar parts of the world, um, being neighbors. You know, Bahrain and Saudi. Is that do you guys know each other from the past? Like, how did you meet Vision and uh, Mazen?
1: It's actually such a funny story. Um, yeah. So, Dardisco, um, I actually don't know them from back home. Um, right. But we seem, from talking to the guys, and uh, Vision, and Mazen are, are super nice guys. Yeah. And we've been talking for the last, like, I don't know, now three or four years. Um, and it's, it's been an incredibly, incredible journey with, with the guys. But how I came across them was actually they were booked to come and play in Dublin. Um, and I think they had reached out to um, one of the promoters here who runs uh, a night called Womabeam um, and they were ready to play. And the, basically the, the, I think it was the prior gig I had supported Habibi Funk. So I think then Dardisco were then booked for the following gig because um, they played kind of Arabic music and they were on the lineup as well. And from my first gig, um, for Womabeam, which is Habibi Funk and myself, I played um, the original of Sari Soas, um, And I played it to a room of, which I was quite um, um, thankful about, is that the majority of the crowd were like 80% um, uh, people from the Swan area. So it just meant that they actually recognized the song. So I, I basically done my first ever wheel up of a Dubka of Saria Sawas and so everybody went literally mental people screaming down the back of the room chanting and to be honest I knew there was something missing in that song and because some of the songs that are in um from uh, from the Swahili region like Syria and some of the Dabakas Debeca- songs the mixes of those songs aren't like made for club music so I just wanted to give it a small you know extra um um kind of layer on it just to kind of help me as a DJ, but also yep. as a DJ tool for everybody else. Yep. And I actually put it out on a magazine called uh, district magazine. And because their disco obviously heard that it was going out, they had reached out to me straight away saying, Hey, like we've heard about this. We're gonna be playing with you next month. and um, how do you feel about signing it? And Vish got on the call with me and we spoke on the phone and I was I was like, Yeah, if you want to take it, like go for it. Um, yeah. um, and that was pretty much the relationship start from from that point onwards and then i met the guys um i think it was a november gig and you know um me and vish like we we, we hung out first and then Mazim came the following day and and then it was pretty much like it was history from there we um we ended up creating a whatsapp group and we share music with it on music on it all the time and yeah it was just kind of a that relationship pretty much start there and we we ended up realizing we actually had very very similar backgrounds in terms of the music we listened to when we were younger like you know i i was a huge metal fan when i was a kid um, and they were as well so it just and we were also similarly they were in bands i was in bands um, and i think it just goes to show that like the whole idea of living in in the middle east and then also then moving out as being at the um, a, a, a arab diaspora and um and just living abroad actually shows you this that there is this kind of connection where you start to miss home and the nostalgia of like old music of how that means to you so you end up kind of reconnecting with stuff like that because when i was a when i was a young kid i used to think all this music was super pop and i don't think i was like superly interested in it um when i was a kid but it does stick with you and somehow that when you get older you somehow have this like fascination of like how those songs were created and yeah i guess it's like all oh, it brings you back for this um this missing of home and for me like home is is both here in dublin but also home is also Jeddah. so it always has this connection um so when i when i write a lot of my music it's a lot of it is like kind of like a, a love letter to, to Jeddah. um and i think it's, it's quite quite a nice relationship yeah. but yeah um since then i've had three releases with the guys and it's um i don't think i don't think any of us really thought how how it would end up but um i guess that's the the law of attraction
0: isn't it like well i i mean both both you guys like the boys and and yourself have really um uh, really been part of this uh, a new kind of movement that's uh, Emerged in the in uh, in the last couple of years, I'd say, and um, it seems like it's um, beginning of some good times. <laughs> it looks like I it. think
1: you know, like I what I think was really important for us is that we always hope. I guess we always hope, um, especially myself. I always hope that it would resonate with people who live abroad who have this um, that they where they miss home and they want this kind of connection to to, to home and. It's actually incredible that it, it firstly reached um people from across europe and and the americas and australia and and asia but then it's also it means even that 10 times more when it actually resonates to people in your homeland um like yeah, it, the people yeah. in Jeddah. i like because there's always this weird thing and i i don't know how if you kind of felt the, that same way but i feel like when you live in the middle east there's there's this craving for wanting to listen to music that's foreign to you so you listen to like stuff that's outside of the country that you're in and then once you're in that uh, so for the music that's already there sometimes it's hard to to, um, to be totally into it Um, and I, I don't know if that that has changed now that dynamic is that now that music is a bit more freer and you kind of listen to everything and there's no there's no need for wanting to listen to something that's so foreign or it's all just amalgamation of everything that you like, and yeah. I feel like you know Saudi Saudi in general is doing incredible things in terms of the the music they're putting out and the kind of confidence in the local talent It's just it's it's incredible
0: to watch. I have to yep. say, yeah. Well, look, you know, um, I mean, Saudi and and uh, and many of the con- like many of the, the the countries in the in the region, there's been such a significant. Um, in in the last, like in these last recent years uh, I you know being being based over there for 10 years I've seen I've witnessed it myself like this whole like emerging and this this scene just becoming like growing and it's um it's really refreshing and there's there's been a shift like there's been this sort of shift in like locally um the embracing of of the culture of the the many different cultures within within the region because initially when i was there it was all about well let western culture let, let's bring in the western culture and now it's like mm, no let's let's like like let's really push what we've got here to the rest of the world and i'm seeing that more and more um you know happening now and uh, it, it's i think it's a great thing and um yeah it's uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next 10 years yeah yeah i yeah. think it's,
1: a, it's an incredible movement and i think it's something i've discussed with you know some of my irish friends that um they're ethnically um, irish and i think there's something really incredible about the arabic music scene in general is is super tight everybody knows everybody everybody wants to support everybody and weirdly enough that just because it's all arabic music it actually is everybody has a distinct style whether it's like actually you're riding deep house or you're writing disco or you have like a different style or whatever it's it's really it's quite prominent you you know you can hear what like say for example um dj plead he has a very unique sound um 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 what's her name um Oh God, Fatima, C- 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 Kadiri, um, Kadiri, yeah, yeah. yeah says- she, she has a very unique sound as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and it's, it's just incredible to see that everybody has these like individual sounds, even within, like you would, like I think people always have this perception that it's going to be just all sounding the same, but it actually shows you that, you know, there's different styles and signatures that um, are incredible. And I guess in a sense, I like, being able to kind of be a fly on the wall to what's happening in Saudi and seeing friends and uh, doing so well um, and the local, the confidence in the, in the talent that's over there, it really shows that it's, 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 um it's starting to really build up. And I think a lot of it is down to how people have now kind of separated what used to be that, you know, culture was like tagged to religion and, and all this kind of stuff. And now it's kind of that separation really shows that like there is a whole section there. There's like food, there's like, uh, yeah there's music, there is, um, yeah. there is like, you know, how people interact to each other. And then that separation to religion kind of really brings out what people have been like kind of practicing over the last, like, I don't know how many years. Um, and it is really fascinating to to see people do so well and see festivals emerge. And, you know, it's it's something that like, I actually can't wait to go back because I've it's, it's been a while. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've talked to Mohammed about this before and I'm, I'm quite excited to come back and, and, and play and, and do a gig. And, you know, the, the issue was the last time I went there was like August 2019 and yes. it was like the middle of hedge So, you know, everything was like closed and, you know, people were, were busy with family. So I actually came with it like probably the worst time to try do something fun in that kind of sense. But um I am excited to go back again and and actually like uh, spend a bit of time there. So, yeah. um.
0: Well, I, think I, th- I think the, the guys are going to be very excited to have you uh, when when the time's right. Um, you never know; it might be sooner than you think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, like honestly, like it's just been like I've actually been quite lucky. Um, how I got introduced to like that entire crew was basically through um, my my sister's um, husband's sister. Um, she added <laughs> me to like the, the WhatsApp group of all these people. And obviously, like, it was kind of like, I suppose, embarrassing at the start being like, hey, this is this guy who's Saudi, who lives in, in Dublin. <laughs> he also does music too. And just like, like, just seeing how things are going there and the music that people are listening to over there. And you can see the change, like, honestly, like the, the music that everybody listens to now is that it's it's, it's everybody just listens to everything. And yeah, it's, it's funny yeah. how, like, we live in two different countries and yet we're still listening to the same thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's definitely amazing talent um, coming out from from that part of the world, and yeah. So you you have a new exciting uh, new release that's coming out in October. What's it? What are you able to share a bit about that? A bit about the title? Yeah. And... Um,
1: yeah. So I have I have two releases coming out. Um, one that's kind of next week, and yes. that's with Disco Stan. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the one in October is um, actually my first ever self release. Um, I have been kind of wanting to do this for actually some time and I just never got the opportunity to do it. And I also wanted to kind of learn about the whole, you know, PR side of things um, you know, um, getting stuff mastered and, you know, and and just really understand that whole process because a lot of the time when you're signed through a label, they kind of do all that. So you don't really know what the hell is going on and you don't know how it's being done. And I always kind of felt that it's like, I really want. To do this and the songs that i picked for that were were super personal songs and i really wanted to do something with it and also do it for uh, a charity so the name of the, the ep is going to be oudie bangers volume one um and the reason i call that is i have like a total obsession with oud as a fragrance so um I always think that, and some of my friends always know that if I play kind of an Arabic-inspired song, they said, "Oh, that sounds really oody." Um, so, it's, <laughs> so it's the, the the name kind of came from that. And um, um, there were basically three of my favorite um, Egyptian um, artists, and it it was all kind of by accident as well. It wasn't um it wasn't that I had this idea and then I knew exactly which songs. I just had I started I think with one of the songs. And then I realized that, you know, I could actually try to create this whole EP and delving into my favorite Egyptian tracks. Um, and yeah, I, the, the entire project is in collaboration with two Lebanese artists um, who have worked with the graphics. And if you kind of see behind me, um, that's the graphics it, there in the back. Right,
0: right, right on. That so, looks so um, familiar. The, the, the style there looks familiar. Think, uh, Who's the
1: artist? So, yeah, the, Tracy Chohan. Um, Chohan. Okay. So, she's a Lebanese um, illustrator, cartoonist, and she honestly makes the dopest art I've ever seen. Has, she, has
0: she worked with the Beirut Groove Collective? She has.
1: She yes, has. That's, um, where,
0: that's where I've seen her work. Right, yeah. that's why it looks familiar. So
1: I've been following her for some time. And right. When I th- started thinking about this project, I... The three artists that I um that I picked for the EP was um Hamid Ashahari um, um because uh, basically Hamid Ashahari's proteges, one is Sheb Arab and the other one is his his brother Mejdi, that people don't really know about, and then Simone. And they would have the three of them would have kind of worked alongside each other at some point. And um, there's no like evidence of this, but I would have expected that they would have crossed paths. So I always had this ima- uh, image of them kind of meeting up in Cairo at some cabin, <laughs> smoking chisha and um, maybe drinking some wine. I don't know. Um, I always had this kind of image of them together. And I brought this idea to Tracy, hoping that she'd want to work with me. And yeah, she was really into the idea. And she just yeah. created this like crazy artwork. And actually, it, it completely exceeded my whole expectation of what she was going to bring to the table. And because this EP is basically kind of a freebie, um, it, um, it's it's that. So, no this, isn't
0: the, this isn't the edits that's coming on Disco Stand. This is. No, this so- is
1: myself. My self my, my right. release.
0: Your self released yes. EP. And that um, you didn't. Uh, where Which label is that coming out on?
1: So, actually, so because it's a self release, it's just going to be on my Bandcamp. Oh, got um, it. Got
0: it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Excellent. So. Very exciting. Yeah,
1: working with 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 Tracy, kind of when she showed me the artwork, I was like, "There's no way I can just put this digitally. This is like because it's a it's a free edit." I was like, "I need to print this." Um, so, in collaboration with her, we're going to print it at a studio in Dublin, and the the money that's raised from it is going to go to profits. Uh, sorry, the profits raised is going to go to uh, a Lebanese charity. Um, Fantastic. Um, and I'm quite excited about it because you know the work that I put into it and, you know, working with Tracy and also, um, I worked with a, um, with another Lebanese artist, Carla, um, who, um, actually done a promo video for me. So it actually all tied in together and I'm super excited for that. And then I have Disco Stan next week, which I'm so, so excited for that too. Um, Amazing. Disco Stan invited me and Nerman invited me to, um, edit, um, two of Nerman's tracks. Um, Norman is a Pakistani British artist uh, who put out uh, a release back in '84, and it got reissued last year. And Not they on. invited me to kind of inv- kind of edit um, two of their songs. And it's actually been really nice to be invited to a culture that isn't isn't mine, and and that invitation is so valuable because I wouldn't feel comfortable to do an edit that's outside of my culture unless there's something that I've you know learned about the artist or collaborated with the original artist or that the label are somehow tied to that culture and to be invited is actually kind of an honor as well yeah so that's out next week and i i'm so excited because you know getting the consent and the feedback from the original artist is like something that i've always always wanted and i think it's um something that i'm really really like quite proud of fantastic um, and again this goes great label and, yeah yeah um our, Arshia has been like an incredible person to work with um, as a label owner, and yeah, it's just been a fascinating journey. And I think, to be honest, this year has just been like a, a complete learning curve. And yeah, I I I've, I'm I'm quite happy with the the releases, but I'm also trying to slow myself down as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look, you know, um, that's that's moving steel, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Try to, try
1: to like not, not like get, too, not kind of get carried away. You know, it's it's so hard to slow down. I I like I must say it's something that I I always try to like put like um, a stop button on myself to just go right. I'm just not going to do anything for a while. Yeah. And to be honest, I I'm I'm in, I'm in a quite a privileged position that I could you know write music and and you know have my day to day job and and also have stuff so space out that I. Don't have to worry for a while that you know if I have writer's block, I actually can afford to have writer's block, yeah. where um, I, I can completely understand that if people that haven't been able to write anything during this whole time. So, is it um, is it something?
0: Is it something that you like? If it, if it becomes a more prominent um, uh, thing for you with the music, is it will that lead to you know moving away from in, being an immunologist? Have you reached Very that point question. yet? Have you reached that
1: point yet? Um, <laughs> a super good question. I guess like, like it's, it's about paying the bills, isn't it? Like, so <laughs> if, if it, um, if it ever came to that, um, absolutely, it would be absolutely fascinating. But at the same, it'd be fascinating to be able to do that if that ever came about. But there's something that I've always, like, I think because I have such a fascination with science, um, it also then has this separation of me treating music as, uh, generally, a hobby, and it means that I am super passionate. And I, I guess there's always this fear of if it became your career, will you be as passionate about it and, and stuff like that? And so I, I I I'm probably fearful of the idea of it. But yeah, I'd play with it. I'd play with it. Like if it was something <laughs> that was possible, yeah, I would. I'd, s- something yeah, you know, like
0: s- something to meditate more on.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. Like um, like I think one of the things I, I love about music is being able to travel, and that's yeah. something I haven't. Had the luxury of being able to do because right. of it being too costly and stuff like that. Um, yep, yep. So being able to do that now is definitely something that um, has like really, really like it, it's just a it's a great experience and just being able to go to different countries and see different people and yep. and running into like uh, other fellow uh, Arabs in different countries and them yep. approaching you. It's it's, it's, yep. it's an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah I, I I'd play with it <laughs> if I'm sure he was there
0: I'd play with it <laughs> look you're 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 in Dublin and uh which makes it a lot easier to move around in Europe in particular for when festival seasons on and I guess maybe there there you'll be you know be up and when things open up a bit more you'll be able to move a lot more fluidly and and uh more around more and why don't you tell the listeners uh where when the releases are coming and where they can hear them and when uh and where where they can hear and read more about you
1: okay um so for the disco stand that's going to be released on the twenty fourth of September um which is next Friday and then prior to that I have two premieres uh, coming out on two really um lovely magazines that um I can't share that quite yet but um um you can probably hear it through my Instagram at moving zero still. um, um, And then I'm quite excited about that. Um, And it will probably be on my SoundCloud as well. And that's going to be released on Disco Stan and you can follow Disco Stan on their Instagram and their SoundCloud. And then in regards to my self release, that will be pretty much all over my Instagram and probably all over my SoundCloud and I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping to get um, a good home for them Premier wise. Um, yeah. I'm I'm still playing with the idea to see who's interested, and I have four weeks to do that. Okay. <laughs> so the pressure the pressure is on. The pressure is on.
0: Jamal, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on on, the, on on electronic music man today. It's been great chatting with you and and getting you know getting to know you a bit more and learning about what you're up to and and what you're doing. Um, I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to what's coming up next for you and uh, keep on doing what you're doing.
1: James, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, It was nice to have this chat as well.
0: Yeah. Pleasure.
1: Cheers.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.